Season 1, Chapter 8 Finders Keepers We know less and less about more and more. Christopher Hitchens Finders Keepers This time, he was going to use a belt and a strap. Something had to be done. She kept falling over. Why wouldn't she put her hands around his waist like he saw the other girls do? If she'd just do that, she would stay put. She was quiet, shy. That part was okay by him, but he couldn't have her falling off the back like that. It wasn't cool. He loved to go fast, and flying across the lakes and trails with her on his snowmobile was the best feeling ever. Her long hair was shiny, and she liked his jokes and his endless made-up stories about survival guys. She would sit patiently and watch him act them all out. It had been so long since he'd had someone to spend time with, and he'd never known the company of a woman before. Now, here she was. He showed her all of his favorite and very secret hunting spots. He showed her how to skin a squirrel. He gave her his favorite rabbit hat, and it fit her great. He even mustered up the courage to tell her that she looked pretty. With her by his side, he could do anything. Finally, he had a girlfriend. And he was coming, unraveled. No, no, I'm not lonely. Hold on, hold on. Once I went 44 days, then say no one. A true statement, true statement. Summer is people time, yeah, yeah. But I'll go down the village in the winter. Sit on my machine, watch people. Mostly girls, mostly girls. A true statement. I like girls. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on. I saw a license plate from Texas. It was down by the bowling alley. A true statement, true statement. Texas is a long way away, but I seen it with my own eyes, so don't call me a liar. The man was rambling, nonstop. His beady eyes darted wildly around the one-room cabin. Yeah, Texas is a long way away, Sheriff Randall acknowledged. The calmness of his voice came from years of experience, as did his decision to keep his right hand on his holster. They were miles away from anyone, and this was not a typical wellness check. The man repeatedly nudged his thick, coke-bottle glasses back into position and blinked frantically. The sheriff lowered his voice. Hmm, but I didn't come all this way on my snow machine tonight just to talk to you about license plates. Now did I, Kenny? The man stiffened. He was looking at his boots, at the wall behind the sheriff, at the ceiling. His eyes ricocheted off the walls like ping-pong balls. I, I don't know. I don't know what you came here for. Hold on, hold on. Hey, is that a real gun? Um, I got things to do. I got things to do. A true statement. Okay, Kenny. I want us to get serious now. Nathan Randall looked past Kenny and nodded in the direction of a pink and white knit scarf that hung on a crude peg just beside the wood stove. Why don't you start by telling me where you got that scarf? Hold on, hold on. It's mine. It's mine. I found it. Possession is nine-tenths of the law, you know. No, Kenny. I guess I didn't know that. The sheriff repositioned himself on the tree stump that served as Kenny's dining chair. His leather belt and holster creaked and groaned as he moved. Kenny glanced at it quickly. Kenny, Kenny, I need you to simmer down and look at me. 
When is the last time you talked to your mom? Hmm? When's the last time you went home? No, no, no. I live here, and that scarf belongs to me, which is a true, true statement. Kenny was becoming more agitated. He curled his hands into his chest awkwardly. All right, Nathan soothed. The conversation was going nowhere. The late hour, the long snowmobile ride, the circumstances. The sheriff had had enough, and so with one swift movement, he stood up. Earlier, he'd radioed for the assistance of two deputies, and he could now hear the familiar hum of their approaching snowmobiles. It was time to go. One deputy was assigned to escort Kenny French down to the station. The other was hauling an empty body sled, soon to be filled with the frozen remains of 20-year-old Daisy Terrio. She was first reported missing six days ago, but Sheriff Randall had found her. Finally, the sheriff and his caravan emerged from the access trail behind the station. They could see the parking lights of the chief medical examiner's van as it idled patiently in the back lot, and they made their way over to it. The sheriff breathed a sigh of relief. For nearly two hours, he'd been following the sled that carried the woman's remains. With every corner and turn, he'd watched the black body bag disappear into the shadows, only to pop into view again as soon as his own headlights could reconnect with her. The silhouette of her body, bouncing and weaving along the pitch-black trail, had made for a long and haunting ride, and he was glad to be done with it. They parked the snowmobiles and killed the engines. There was no small talk, no banter. It was nearly 3 a.m., and everyone was exhausted and cold. While the body was loaded up for its journey to Augusta, Nathan directed his deputy to bring Kenny inside. Take him in to warm up. I'll be right there. After several nods and only a few words, Nathan watched as the white main OCME van pulled away. He arched his back for a stretch, taking in the dazzling night sky overhead. This was a precious moment of solitude. It felt good just to be still. Somewhere out there is a night off and ten hours of uninterrupted sleep, he thought. Dreaming was a waste of time, and so he left his breath to hang in the air as he turned toward the station in his formal interview with Kenny French. It was another thirty hours before the sheriff was able to escape to the locker room for the quick comfort of a hot shower and a fresh uniform. He'd called his friend and colleague, Dr. Amelia Karen, down to the station, and he didn't want to be late for the meeting. He needed her counsel. He needed to see normal and as soon as she walked into his office, he felt relieved. She had that effect on him, on everyone, it seemed. Coffee's fresh, help yourself, he offered. She nodded no and sat down. She was in a hurry, as usual, and she wanted to get right to it. But first, Nathan had something to say, and it was going to be awkward. I'm, I'm sorry about Harper. I hadn't seen you since the funeral, and I wanted to say that I'm sorry. But you did right by her, Amy. You must know that. Amelia nodded and then rested her eyes on Nathan's tired face. For several seconds, nobody said a word. Nathan waited, and then she broke through the wall of silence with her outstretched hand. She was motioning for the file that he was holding, and he handed it to her. 
the numbing grief of Harper's passing would have to wait. They had work to do. I hope you're not saying that he killed her. He's not a killer, Nathan. Dr. Karen was expertly skimming through the police file as she spoke. Her leather backpack was on the floor, slumped against her legs in a pool of melting snow. Yup, the sheriff replied. He was pouring another coffee while he waited for her to catch up. It didn't take long. But he does admit to zipping around with her remains tied to his snowmobile and to keeping her body in his cabin, she continued. Yup, he replied again. And it looks like he had the pleasure of her quiet company for at least 72 hours. She was moving through the report at lightning speed, and yet she noticed everything. Yup, said the sheriff. Okay, this is the part where you stop saying yup and start filling me in on the details. I'm a busy psychiatrist. Maybe I've mentioned that once or twice. Nathan felt himself smile for the first time in days. Sure, Doc, here's what I know. Kenny was spotted over the weekend riding along with someone on his snowmobile, a woman. One sighting had him up as far as the north side of Bull Mountain. The call started coming in Monday. That's when I took a ride up to his place to see for myself. Right away, I saw her, propped up against the woodpile. No efforts were made to conceal her. She was right there in his front yard. The doctor shook her head and exhaled slowly. These images had a way of sticking to her brain, and she had to be careful. Sheriff Randall took a long pull from his coffee before continuing. Mm. Kenny says he found her out by Jewel Pond of all places. He says she was already dead, and he believes that since he found her, that he had dibs on her. Nathan was making air quotes with his free hand as he spoke. Kenny still lives by the code of a ten-year-old boy, but I agree, he's no killer, not like this. He looks terrible, by the way. You wouldn't recognize him. I've never seen him so bad. Anyway, by Monday, he had to keep her outside for obvious reasons. Jewel Pond? Now that's a haul. How the devil did she get way up there? Dr. Karen remembered seeing the pond's location on her gazetteer once. It was a tiny speck of blue in an ocean of green. Nathan leaned forward. We're working this case as hard as we can, but I can tell you, we have no viable leads. The boyfriend's been away on a job, but the, the doctor interrupted him gently. Call his mother, Nathan. She needs to know he's in serious trouble this time. I did, but she already knew. The whole town knows. News travels fast, and the rumors are flying. Amelia nodded again and then returned to the file. She was reading out loud. Exsanguination? My God. She was bled to death. Okay, well, that means that somewhere out there is a very large pool of blood. Nope, that's just the thing, Doc. Bill's been up there doing aerial searches since yesterday. So far, nothing. No kill site. At least not out there. Looks like Kenny may be telling the truth, and what's even more confusing are the autopsy details. Go to page 17, look at the photo of the victim's left wrist. Ever see anything like that before? 
The doctor studied the photo closely, angling the file to catch the morning light that had worked its way in through the dirty office window. What in the world is that, Nathan? They're not teeth marks, but maybe a puncture wound? I'll be damned if I know, Amelia. I'll be damned if I know. Finders Keepers, written and performed by Bridget Emmons. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Main Stories, and visit my website at BridgetEmmons.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>